I don't know about you, but carving out time for quiet and rest in our daily life can be difficult. Whether it involves slowing down our family's pace or turning off the screens, it takes intentional effort to quiet the noise. I'm Rachel Winchester, and you're listening to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. In this episode, Carol and I talk about the media lion that prowls around and ways to tame it. Then Carol shares tips for having a rest time, which can sometimes present challenges as children get older and little ones join the family. Listen in. So my last question is kind of, how do I wean my kids off of screens if they are glued to the TV and it's kind of just like, this isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And maybe people don't realize that some of the things their children are doing are related to their screen use. Like, yeah, good point. You know, so maybe you could, yeah, you, maybe you could elaborate on maybe what are some signs of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, obviously short attention spans that television is designed with screen changes and, um, you know, camera changes every, every few seconds. Your child's brain is having to adjust to something new to look at and how it's training the brain to like jump, like uh, playing jump rope, you know, with with their brain. Also, of course, the moral content. So it's two things. It's what it's doing to the brain and how the brain thinks and being able to focus and and think you know, for long periods of time on a subject, but it's also really robbing your children of their innocence and uh, indoctrinating your children in a false gospel, Mm -hmm. the gospel of prosperity, the gospel of doing what comes naturally, not what's hard. Um, I mean, we could go on and on. And I did a whole seminar on it called Taming the Media Lion, as you know, because the Lord called me to do that. And it was the hardest seminar I've ever done. And we have it on our web store because I don't ever want to have to do it again. So we (laughs) captured it so that I don't have to teach on that and research it because it was the most depressing time I've spent, you know, preparing for a seminar and my 35 years of being a speaker. So um, yes, if a child's watching screens, it's very hard to compete reading is work and, and screens are like, it's like the difference between feeding a child or them feeding themselves, you know, reading is work and it it's screens create passivity, mental passivity. So if you remove the screen, then what you do is you create a culture of boredom. (laughs) Boredom is our best friend. And, um, I was just talking to Jay. I think that was in the podcast we did. It was, he, yeah. Yes, where he said, "Well, you know, Mom, I was bored, and so if I wasn't playing basketball, I was bored. So I read books. Exactly. Of course, he loved reading. He's he's trying to make himself not look quite so bookwormy because he wasn't. He was very normal. But the point was, there was nothing else to do if he wasn't outside with his friends or wasn't playing basketball. Mm-hmm. When he was home, like in a snowstorm, he that's what he had to do. That's what. Um, and so the only movies he was ever that he ever watched as a child was about the age of 13. We got a screen that had a VHS and no, no reception of any kind. And we had a friend that had an amazing library of classic 
black and white films. Mm -hmm. And as she upgraded with new technology, we would get all the VHSs, which I still have to this day. And when I moved, my son was like, are you keeping these? I said, are you kidding me? This is like a film school. And there's a young man that I mentored and did a, a classic film course with. And now he's in film school at Biola. And he said to me, the difference between his education and the and the other kids in the course is that I trained him in all the classic films and the directors and, you know, he knows them all by heart. And these other kids have only watched modern movies. And wow. so they didn't have that. So that's a whole nother issue. But it just occurred to me how important it is to watch classic films with your older children. Yeah. And in my teen seminar in Begin With the End of Mind, I give a a list of films that I want you to watch. I'm not a total Luddite, right? but when your children are little, I don't ever want them near a screen. There's no reason. And there's a lot of reasons to avoid them. Yeah. So developing an attention span is key and a screen will, will undermine your work. And when people say they don't, their children don't like to be read to, that's my first question. Tell me about the relationship with media. Mm-hmm. And it usually, you know, there's a link there. Yeah. So do you have to be as drastic as Ben Carson's mom and throw it out, get rid of it? Well, here's the thing. In in 12-step groups, uh, they quote the AA big book that says, half measures avail nothing. And so what my families who I've worked with over the years tell me is it's much, much easier. And what they say in AA is, abstinence is much easier than moderation. Yeah. So if there is no screen, you can't argue about it all day. Well, only an hour. Can't we have an hour and 15? Well, but we did this. Well, what about that? Well, can't we? Well, right in the middle of, oh, come on, mom. You're, well, if it's gone, it's a non-issue, you know? And so I just, what my families tell me is, Carol, we've tried doing the one movie a week and blah, blah, blah. But then like, um, one of my family said to me, but Carol, then it became the whole focus of the whole week. That's yeah. all they thought about. That's all they talked about. And, and this mom of six, very, very brilliant woman said to me, so now we don't have, we don't have movie night. We have family night. Once in a while, we might watch a movie, but normally we watch games or we bake or we go hiking or we, you know, mm-hmm. we're in nature. Um, so that the focus even of the week is not on that one movie. Uh, so every family has to find their own path with this. Yeah. But if you can get the, the screen out of the central room of your house, yeah. um, like a lot of families just watch a movie on a laptop so that it, there isn't even a screen in their home that, uh, you know, like a TV that's sitting on, you know, like having a big screen hanging there all day is just calling you. Yes. Turn me on, turn me on. It's like a big black hole that wants to be filled. And so um, replacing that screen with a bookcase and decorating with books all over your house and all the research that proves that a child's success level in adult life is directly related to the number of books that were found in that person's childhood home. Like you're doing a child the biggest favor you can if you're surrounding them with books, if you're a reader yourself, and most importantly, if you're reading to them you are guaranteeing their success in life. And there's so much research on it that I could talk about it for days. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to a, a podcast today and she referred to the 
Matthew principle, I think is what she called it. And just mm-hmm. this, and we actually read it in our reading this evening at, after dinner, my family did. And it's about the, whoever's given a little bit will be given more. That's and that's right. basically what hap- is what happens is mm-hmm. that they get a little bit of words and then their vocabulary snowballs mm-hmm. that's as right. they read more. And then it creates this huge gap that really cannot be, you know, uh, what do you call bridged Mm -hmm. over time because they've just read so many more books, (laughs) you know, and been exposed to so much vocabulary. Yes. And I experienced this with JJ, complete strangers coming up to us in restaurants, stores, when he's a little boy going, where do you go to school? school and then really loud you know when we're all going to go to jail in those days and we could again and he'd yell oh well I'm schooled you know this little five-year-old and I'd go oh no let's go we gotta go gotta go you know and you know because of how we judge a person's intelligence is how articulate they are yeah and so that's why even with children who are late readers, I have, you know, two children in my life right now that are late readers. And yet the words that they say, the things that they say, I'm speechless yeah. and I'm their grandmother and I'm, I'm speechless. And it's because, you know, they were named after theologians. I don't know if I mentioned this, you know, Ryle and Schaefer. And my son has been reading Francis Schaefer's biography from Crossway. And so he said, Schaefer, listen to this. This is who you're named after. You know, she knows. And he's reading a part of it to him. And I'm thinking, you read that book? I mean, that is a really hard book. And mm-hmm. he's reading it to, uh, what was it, eight-year-old. Yeah. And 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 then Schaefer came to my house and told me all about it. And how Francis Schaefer, and you know, Grammy, they threw them out of Switzerland and blah, blah, blah. And he was like telling me the story of Francis Schaefer's life. I'm like, oh my word. Like people, <laughs> you know, because reading makes you smart. Yeah. And screens makes you dumb. And so what's, you know, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice yeah. for everybody to give up a screen, but mm. you'll never regret it. And you will send me bouquets of flowers when your children are grown. Yeah. thanking me. Because I believe that parents will do hard things for their children. Mm-hmm. They really will. I had a friend that would eat junk food all the time, but then when she was pregnant, she would eat really well. And I, and I said, what, what is with that? She goes, well, you know, I, 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 I'm doing it for my baby. I'm like, so you do things for your child. You wouldn't even do it for yourself, Mm. which was, you know, admirable, I guess, because we do, we do things for our children. We would take a bullet for our children. So giving up screens is just, it's just a sacrifice we're going to make and be rewarded with the most delightful, innocent, pure hearted children. And every day you're going to reap the benefit of that very small sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. I would say two things is when children come around my house that I am, I know some for sure are on screens and then others, I just assume, but they, their volume level is so different. And the way that they, Mm -hmm. the like decibel level that they Mm -hmm. communicate at or talk at is so much different that it like really bothers me Mm -hmm. to hear them speak and stuff. So I feel like even if you can just the, if there's strain in the relationship and your children are on screens, it could be because they're so hyper stimulated and they're 
like they're communicating in this way that they're hearing communicated like right frantic that's right like over the top and all this stuff so that then it's just like oh my goodness why are you so loud or why are you I mean my children get loud my children you know holler and hoop and everything (laughs) but it's just a whole this is a buildup of Yes. And I agree with you. And I've noticed it too, with anyone who does um, video games. Mm. So you have all this energy, like people say to me, well, I just let them play sports games. And, you know, and, and like, I understand that, but you see they're playing basketball with their thumb, right? A game that is designed to be running and sweating and breaking their ankle and you know whatever they're going to do like that is like the most physical sport and they're sitting there doing a virtual game where all this energy and all these um what's the word i'm trying to say like endorphin all these things are being released mm-hmm. um in term hormonal things being released that are released when you play a sport but there's no release for them And so that creates this, I can't explain it, like like a a bottle of champagne that's about to burst because there's no outlet for what you've unleashed as you expose them to this high drama, high energy stuff, and there's nowhere for it to go. Right. Yeah, because all those, all the reaction is happening. It's just then staying in the body That's because right. they're not shooting the ball. They're That's not right. catching the ball. They're not dribbling the ball. That's right. So that same energy is being, it's not being expressed. It's being That's confined. Right. And then That's it happens. Right. Then it just like pops out. Explodes. And, and it's not their fault. Yeah. Because they need to be outside um, a lot, like four to five hours a day. And that's a whole nother subject that we need to, mm-hmm. you know, continue yeah. to just repeat over and over again because that's the balance of it if a child's annoying it's probably because they've been indoors too long Mm -hmm. and um my grandsons said oh no jj said that what did he say i'm much nicer to my children when i'm outdoors oh yeah well the same thing like they're they're and he he was talking about how houses are not designed for little boys they're not Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. boys are designed to be outdoors and so when they're in their milieu they're they're much nicer people mm-hmm. they're more likable yeah. and when they're out of their milieu they're annoying and whose fault is that is it theirs or ours right yeah yeah so just my last thought on that would just if parents can break through that point of just can we have screen time can we you know that bartering or that asking because then you'll break through to the other side and that's what some of the having the screen on the wall or still having it in your house just tucked away it's still like is there and present and so then it still is something to argue about or to barter or to talk about yeah rather than just like it doesn't exist in my That's life. Right. It's a non-issue. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that. And so it's literally my children never ask to watch anything mm-hmm. because they wouldn't know even what to ask to watch. <laughs> I mean, you know, they've seen a video of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they might watch a video of something with daddy when they're like, Oh, what is this? Or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. 
trying to understand what something is like what is a volcano right right but not let's watch it's our it's our screen time now we're going to play our games or they don't even they don't have that concept in their mind yeah so I think if you can just break through that yeah difficult time you would come to this really sweet time Mm. of it being a non-issue and then just having Mm. a childhood of playing working Mm. together being outside listening to audiobooks listening Mm. to music yeah you know hearing them sing and play you know all those things there's so many wonderful sounds of childhood yeah and that does not include Mm -hmm. little you know, Mickey Mouse voices or the <laughs> other character. Those are not pleasant sounds of childhood. Right. There's lots of really, truly pre- pleasant sounds of childhood. Mm. Or my favorite battery operated toys. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, don't even go there. <laughs> yeah. We'll save that. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yes, quieting our spirits in a very noisy world, mm-hmm. quieting our spirits. You know, I, my favorite book it takes place in a monastery, and I've been rereading those books now for like the fourth or fifth time, the Hawk and the Dove series by Penelope Wilcock. And just as I'm reading the books, it's even quieting my spirit to be in the monastery in the Middle Ages mm-hmm. and just live in that peace and that rhythm and that silence and so, so valuable to teach our children to be comfortable with silence. And to love to be alone. And, and that's why when we talk about having feet off the ground for an hour every day, how important that is to let them to get to the point where they look forward to it and love it instead of feeling it's not a punishment. It's the high point of our day where we get to be best friends with ourselves mm-hmm. and we develop the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. And that is something taught. It's always historically been a core value of the church in in the history of the church. But today, our churches are more like pep rallies than, you know, that quiet space, that sacred space. Mm -hmm. You think that all kids can get to that place of that quiet hour being like their favorite thing or that they're being still and stuff or is it like for children who maybe have more hyperactive mm-hmm. well and then of course or... that's another conversation about diet yeah. how much exercise they're getting how much outdoor time they're getting because a child who's ready to jump out of their skin and then you say now feed off the ground for an hour mm-hmm. that's just provoking them to wrath mm-hmm. But if you wear them out, because you know my motto, they need to be bloody, sweaty, and dirty every day. And as they say in Finland, if they don't need a bath at the end of the day, you're not parenting them correctly. So if a child is worn out in a good way, Mm -hmm. then that's going to be, and of course, if they can read, it's harder for a child who can't read. But once a child can read, that that should be the best time of the day for them. Because they're in the middle of a chapter book that they can't wait to get back to. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like maybe that age between no longer napping, but not reading. That's right. It's difficult because it is. It is. um, I mean, I've never talked to you about this. Do you let people, do you like encourage or allow like 
listening to something during yes. that time? Because if it's not going well. So yeah. in consulting, sometimes a family will say, you know, my four-year-old is really struggling or my five-year-old, you know, a, a, you know, a pre-reader, but as you said, someone who isn't falling asleep. So very often I encourage the mom to take a nap with that child because that is a child who won't fall asleep alone, but they will fall asleep in your arms. Mm -hmm. So put them in like a vice grip, you know, get them like a spoon, first read a couple picture books together, rub their back, you know, whisper in their ear and fall asleep with them and tell them how tired you are. And like, oh, mommy's so tired. Oh, mommy's so tired. And they will fall asleep with you. Mm -hmm. um, but if they're beyond even that, then I usually say, we'll get a beautiful stack of gorgeous library books that will really intrigue them with the illustrations and let them look at those. Um, but if it's just becoming uh, a hill that is not being won, then I might say, well, then let them listen quietly to a book on tape. But as soon as they can read, yeah. I would, I'd pull that and yeah. I would explain it to them. This yeah. is our time to pray, sleep, read, or think. So now that you can read, you have some options, but listening to an audiobook is something we do at other times of day. Mm -hmm. but we don't do this during our quiet time because mommy wants you to love books and love reading them for yourself. And this is when our whole family gets to read. Yeah. And then they see you doing it too, you mm -hmm. know, so you're in your room reading and it's, it's the best part of the day. You keep saying that this is the magical hour. You know, <laughs> I can't wait. It's almost time for a quiet hour. I can't wait because it's mommy's favorite part of the day too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't want them to hate it, you know? Right. So if it just becomes a, a disciplinary action every five minutes of that hour, that's not pleasurable for anyone. No. So we want to set our kids up to succeed, not to fail. Mm -hmm. Yes. And some children seem to have more trouble with it than others. <laughs> anyone I know personally? <laughs> we won't mention any names, but I understand that. I understand that. Yeah, it, it'll it'll work itself out. But if listening to a book on tape is is a temporary fix for that, I have no problem with yeah. doing that for a year or two until they cross into that next territory mm -hmm. of being able to really, you know, even looking at books that they've memorized can be really great you know, a picture book that they love so much and look at over and over again. But if it's just becoming a hill to die on, don't make it. I want them to like that time of day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's so, kind yeah. of where I landed <laughs> personally. I think that's a good place to land. We, we, we don't want to be legalistic about these things. We yeah. want to listen to the Holy Spirit for each child, for each year. And we custom make the suit and, and we don't, we don't want to have any false gods that, you know, our child has to represent us or make us look good. Or, mm -hmm. you know, we want to just be like the bamboo that bends with the wind and being flexible. You know, Pastor Chuck used to say, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. And yeah. so as you study your children, you know, that this isn't fair. I'm asking a child to do something they're not capable of doing that's not fair and then they get disciplined for it that's really unfair because yeah. you're disciplining 
I can't talk disciplining them for being childish. They're not being rebellious. It's just, they're being five years old, you know, and that's not fair to get in trouble for knocking your milk over because you're clumsy when you're five. You're not um, intentionally knocking your milk over, you know? So families always ask me, when do we discipline? It's like, well, when it's willful disobedience, where they look you in your eye and say, I don't care what you say, I'm doing it. And what are you going to do about it? That's, that's clear. That's willful disobedience. But when they just innocently do something because they're young and immature and unable to control themselves because they're childlike, mm-hmm. there's, that's not, that's not sin. That's just, they're just little and yeah. they need our grace until yeah. they get old when they won't get away with that very thing that they get away with when they're little. Right. And maybe it lasts longer than we <laughs> would like. Yeah. Well, we had a golden retriever and she was a puppy till she was practically like 12, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> some children are eternally puppies yeah. and, and that's okay because they grow up to be youth leaders in churches. You know, they have that right. fun personality and that excitement. And sometimes it is annoying, but in the right environment, it's a gift. Yeah. So we don't, we don't want to quench Mm-hmm. their joy yeah. and, and their enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. True. So I think, do we cover all your questions? Yep. You answered them. All right. Well, it has been so fun to be with you, Rachel. And thank you listeners for joining us this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.